He's a reserve sheriff's deputy, meaning he does law enforcement for free. He had a certain mindset, being a businessman, about law enforcement, and it changed dramatically once he started doing the job. He's here to talk about that and how he uses experience to help others. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Calling us from Colorado, we have Len Hurstein on the phone. Len is a reserve deputy sheriff. Now, what that means is he does this for free. I know technically I'm air quoting free. There may be some benefits to it, but what he's not getting paid, which I find hard to believe that people would do this job and not get paid because it takes a toll. He came into law enforcement with a certain mindset as a businessman, and it's safe to say that has changed. Len, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Thanks, Jay. Excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me. You're the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. I believe we had someone on earlier from that agency. Was it Dan Bright? Yes, absolutely. Dan Bright. A phenomenal story, by the way. You can check it out as a podcast version of the show. Just go to letradioshow.com or do a, go to our Facebook page. So like the Facebook page, click on podcast, and you, you hear right there, search for Dan Bright. A phenomenal story. I don't want to take away from your story because part of it is very appealing and interesting to me. You came into law enforcement as a volunteer, correct? Yeah, yeah. When I was 45 years old, I started my law enforcement career. So safe to say you were like the grandpa when you're in the academy. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You know, the funny thing is when now now that I've been out there for a number of years, but I'll I'll be out there with, you know, guys who are half my age who've been doing it maybe uh, as long as I have been doing it, but uh citizens always look to me because of my bald head and, and white beard uh as as the uh they think I'm the I'm the most uh, experienced guy there. You look like the elder statesman, but you may not have as much time on the street as everybody else. Yeah, well, you know, with, with turnover these days, I'm pretty high up there at this point. But uh, but along the way, I've always been treated as the elder statesman. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been doing working in law enforcement as a reserve deputy? Yeah, so we'll be going on seven years here uh, when we can come into 2022. Um, I, I went. I, I started the academy in early 2015, and then uh, you know went through a full academy, and then. I uh, did my 440 hours of field training to get certified for, for patrol, and I've just been doing it ever since. Before we get into the conversation about your mindset before and everything else, you come from a business background. Yeah, so I've, I've been in marketing and business and entrepreneurship for the last 30-plus years. So I started out in uh, management consulting and then uh, moved into uh consumer packaged goods brand marketing. So I worked for Nabisco and Coca-Cola and Campbell Soup uh, doing marketing for them. And then I started my own company for the last uh, 
18, 19 years, I've been putting on marketing conferences. So it's called Brand Manage Camp Conference, and I've been doing that um, since 2003. Now, that's a totally different ball of wax than working in law enforcement. Yeah, and that's the way I went into it. I went into it thinking it was going to be a completely different part of my life. Um, but I was kind of surprised early on by how much overlap I saw in things that I was learning that I felt like I could apply back to business and life in general. One of the things I tell a lot of cops who retire is, believe it or not, police, sheriff's deputies, whatever term you want to use, if you've got a full career in your belt, you have years and years and years of sales experience. You've been selling options to people. And a perfect example is you get a call for a disorderly person on the corner and you explain to them, hey, Joe, you can go to jail or you can leave and have a good weekend. Those are your choices. Which do you prefer? Yeah, and, and, and in, in this day and age, I would even classify it as, you know, sales, but also really customer service. This is, you oh, know, yeah. we, we're in the business of customer service. We're in the business, especially me being part of a sheriff's office with an elected sheriff. You know, we're in the business of, you know, making sure our constituents are happy. And that's a tough task because, well, we did the same thing. We handled every call that came down. We actually even went to calls for water in the basement. It didn't matter what it was. And we carried little books in our back pocket of different numbers people could call. We didn't yeah. refer to plumbers or things like that. But here's the, the water agency. Here's so-and-so. Here's the number for such and such. They can cut off your water. Whatever it might be, the police came. We were a full-service agency. And the funny thing is, and I'm sure you relate to this, the vast majority of our calls were not about criminal behavior. They're about quality of life issues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In fact, one of the calls that we don't do anymore that we used to do, but just because of the call volume, we just can't do it anymore, is we used to do snake calls. So anytime someone had a snake, they would call us, and we would come out and we would help them with this snake. And so I can't tell you how many snakes I've moved or done other things to, and and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad we don't do that anymore, but you're right. Yeah, we get called for a lot of things that people would not typically associate with law enforcement. I could tell you in a story, but it's a long one when I was a rookie cop about a bat in a house that I had to get out. And, you know, the horror films you see about bats getting stuck in your hair and the, the old oh, reefer over your head all, the whole night. It was ugly, but we got the bat out. It was successful. That's one of the reasons why I shaved my head. I don't want any bats in my hair. <laughs> I thought you shaved your head for vanity reasons because of gray and maybe balding issues. No, no, no. I actually could have a good head of hair, but uh, I just got, I got to a certain age that where I got, I got tired of it, <laughs> honestly. And then once I got into law enforcement, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of reasons to keep my hair short. And then I just kept going shorter. It's kind of an addiction. Some people do it with tattoos. I do it with, with shaving my head. So you came into law enforcement with a lot of years experience in marketing and sales and in the business world. And many people, the vast majority of people, really don't have a good concept of what law enforcement officers do or what they right. go through, and they're very quick to make judgments about, hey, you should have done this, should have done that. Is it safe to say that you had a different mindset about law enforcement before getting into it? Yeah, I mean, you know what, there's, there's a lot of things that I missed or, you know, had, had misperceptions about coming in to when I got to the other side. I saw things that I, didn't even, I wouldn't have even thought about before. It was just kind of assumptions I had that once I got into it as a profession, started seeing, uh, you know, how wrong I was and, and, and how different it was. So, you know, there's probably five or six different things off the top of my head that, you know, were very different than what I would have expected. Did you find you're less judgmental about law enforcement, what they do compared to before? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably safe to say. I, I was never judgmental. I, you know, I had friends who were cops, and I had you know a, a very healthy respect for the profession. So I was never one of these folks who was kind of pointing fingers or or being judgmental. But but I, you know, there were definitely things that my eyes were open to that still changed my perception for sure. One of the things that I say jokingly, half jokingly, is I got so sick and tired of being introduced at barbecues and cookouts as, oh, here's Jay. He's a cop. And everybody go, oh, hands up. or uh, And then stupid questions. Do you ever shoot anybody? Do you do this? And it got to the point, Len, where I just say, yes. And then I walk away. Or I'd say something <laughs> totally ridiculous like, yeah, did you ever get caught doing blankety, blankety, blank in the closet? And they go, what's that got to do with this? And I say, exactly. Why Why do you think I want to have this conversation about one of the worst incidents in my life with a total stranger, someone I never met, I don't know, and won't understand over a beer at a barbecue? We're talking with Len Hurstein. Len is an interesting story. You got so much to talk about. He is a reserve sheriff's deputy, and he went into law enforcement at the age of 45, when we return, we're going to talk about some of the incidents he's involved in, how it's changed perspective, and how he uses what he learned in his marketing and business career. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Have I got a deal for you? No, I'm not trying to sell you a bridge or a swampland. Enter contests for your chance to win great prizes by subscribing to the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T radio show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Return conversation with Len Hurstein calling us from Colorado. Len is a reserve deputy with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office, meaning he does this work for free. And he went into law enforcement at the ripe old age of 45. That's when a lot of people are talking about retiring from law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, in fact, the question I get from a lot of the guys is like, uh, why are you here? Like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, people outside the profession definitely don't get it. People inside the profession don't get it more. You know, they're like, what are you, how are you doing this for free? That's crazy. Well, to be honest with you, Len, you know, where I worked in Baltimore, we didn't have reserve officers. We didn't have part-timers. We had, you know, full-time sworn officers and then civilian employees, and that was it. And the thought of someone doing that kind of work and exposing themselves to the violence, the threats of violence, the trauma, everything, all the, all the stress that goes on and doing it for free baffles me. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, there are times where my wife questions the validity of the psychological, tra- uh, you know, uh, testing they did on me when they were uh, trying to figure out if I could do this or not. But it's, you know, it, it, it's something that adds more than it detracts from my life. And that, that, you know, it's a net positive for me. So, you know, I, I, I went through my entire career, you know, I didn't, you know, and, you know, never saved a life, you know, doing marketing. Right. And, and so, 
um, or never, you know, had that kind of impact on someone's life. So, you know, for me, it, it fills a hole that I was looking for, and I'm, I'm happy and proud to do it, you know, but I, I get why it seems strange for sure. Yeah, I think your wife might be onto something, to be honest with you. <laughs> the, the sad part is, and it's kind of funny, is, look, I know I'm not right. I have mental, emotional <laughs> scars from years of pleasing, so that's yeah. quite all right. And it comes with the territory. I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, and I'm very proud of my service and I'm sure it sounds like you are too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, that, you know, and I, and I've been scarred as well, uh, for sure. You know, no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, I could, uh, I'd never seen a dead body before, before I did this and, and, you know, the, now I've seen a whole lot of them. Right. So, um, you know, that has to change you the way that you act around it, the way that you have to, you know, conduct yourself, all the things that that happen around that um, change as well as all the other things. And I've, you know, I've seen and been part of some, some tragic things and, and um, you know, you, as you know, you just got to learn that, you know, you got to be that type of person who can compartmentalize that and, and use it, use it for something good. And that's, you know, we'll get to talking about it later, but that's, that's where my book comes from is taking that and using it for something positive. By the way, your book is called Be Vigilant, Strategies to Stop Complacency, Improve Performance, and Safeguard Success. And it's not just for law enforcement. It's for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's specifically for business and for life. It's not a law enforcement book. It uses examples and experiences from my law enforcement background, but um, it, it's a business book and it's a, it's, a, it's a life book. So you went into law enforcement at the age of 45. You do it for yep. free. And after going through all your training, the academy, everything else, you hit the streets. What was the first call where you like, oh my goodness, this is nothing like I thought? Well, you know, yeah, there's a lot of calls. Um, I think, you know, I think the one that really woke me up to like how quickly things can go from nothing to serious um, was I was uh, on patrol and got a call about, um, you know, a potential drunk driver. We call them ready reports. Um, so a potential drunk driver, someone swerving and, and, in the road and they had a small child in the back seat and went to, uh, they had pulled into a parking lot of a local store. And so went, went in, found the car, um, you know, kind of determined that the person had entered the store. And so me and, uh, and another, you know, we ride solo, but, um, me and, a, and another deputy were kind of waiting outside for, um, for her to come out. She came out, she had a small child with her, you know, maybe four years old and um, talking with her kind of, you know, quickly figured out that she wasn't under the influence or didn't appear to be under the influence of anything. She was really being distracted by her kids. She was trying to discipline her kid and she did, you know, kind of turn around and, and, you know, put her attention on the kid instead of the road for a second there. And that, that's kind of what had happened. So, you know, really nothing criminal going on other than maybe, you know, some sort of driving infraction, but we weren't really going to go there. And so she said, Hey, you know, do you mind if I put my kid in the car? Um, and we said, no problem. And, you know, just keeping an eye on her as I'm talking with my partner. And all of a sudden I see her kind of doing something in the back seat. And next thing I realized is she has a gun pointed at her kid. Um, and it, you know, it's a revolver, it's a silver revolver. So immediately I kind of disengage from my partner. I, you know, draw my weapon, you know, give her commands, you know, drop the gun, drop the gun. Right. She starts turning towards me with the gun in her hand as she gets about a quarter of the way around she drops it and as it hits the ground, realized that it's a plastic play gun, right? Um, and she had been playing with her kid for some reason with a, with a gun. It didn't have any orange on it or anything like that that would indicate it was a fake gun. It looked real enough from a distance. 
Um, and, you know, at that point in time, you know, it really got driven home that these are split-second decisions we're going to have to make and I'm going to have to make throughout this um, that, you know, if you're not in the right mind, if you're not doing the right things, if you perceive the information incorrectly, things can go really, really wrong really quickly. They can. And I wanted to say when she had the gun and pointing her child, to normal people who've never been through this, you would think, oh, there's no way. Nothing's going to happen. They're not doing anything. There's nothing to it. However, people do bizarre, unexplainable things all the time. As a matter of fact, I hate to say this, but the vast majority of children who are killed in the United States are killed by their parents. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, when I, what I say to people, whenever they ask me, like, why did that person do that? I mean, I gave up seven years ago trying to explain why people do things. I have no idea why people do things. And if I try to predict it, I'll be wrong, you know, more than half the time. So I just go with what I see and what I can perceive. Um, and you know, that that's where you have to be able to, you know, kind of be in the moment and be able to take in all the information, you know, see things with both eyes open is what I talk about, you know, as opposed to being, you know, having tunnel vision or, you know, anything like that. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not in the business of trying to explain why people do things. There's, there's a, I've been, I don't get surprised anymore. <laughs> Were you able or are you able to explain why you did not shoot? Yeah. I mean, I think, in, you know, if I was going to go through what was happening in those split seconds in my head, there was, you know, a degree of angle that, that was going to happen before, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I gave command, she disengaged from the child. So at that point, she wasn't an immediate threat to the child. Um, whereas if she had stayed in there and was disregarding my things, as well as I got pointed at kid, you know, we got a different situation. But as she started turning towards me, I mean, she was pretty close to getting to that degree of turn where things were going to get worse for everybody. Here's the thing. Quite often, and you brought up a memory for me, and I'll, I'll talk about it in a moment, but quite often I could not explain why I did or didn't do something at the time. Later on, as you have a chance to process what happened, what you saw, what you went through, you're able to piecemeal it together. Now, body cameras can fill in a lot of the gaps, but ultimately mm-hmm. it boils down to I did not perceive a threat. I did not perceive a threat to myself or someone else. That's why I did or didn't do use of force. We're talking with Len Hurstein. Len is a reserve deputy sheriff in Colorado. He's also a businessman, author of the book, Be Vigilant, Strategies to Stop Complacency, Improve Performance, and Safeguard Success. There's so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. John discovered a cool new app, and he just can't put it down because it has millions of great podcasts, including Law Enforcement Today. So now you can listen anytime, anywhere, and also chat with John. It's called Podopolo. It's free on either app store, so join John there. Follow Law Enforcement Today and DM John when you do. That's Podopolo. Download it now. Current conversation with Len Hurstein. Len is a reserve deputy in Colorado. He's also a businessman. By the way, reserve deputy means he does this for free. He's the author of the book, Be Vigilant, Strategies to Stop Complacency, Improve Performance, and Safeguard Success. Before we went to break, Len, we're talking about this incident where you had a woman and she had in her hand what you thought was a gun. Turns out it was a toy. 
and you didn't want to have to use deadly force, which no cop I know of ever wants to do. And immediately I started thinking, it reminded me of, I was a young patrolman. I was driving in Northwest District of Baltimore and you know, the corner of my eye, I see in an alley uh, adjacent to a major street, three or four young men kind of huddled around something. So I stopped the car, I turn in, I start going up there. I drive up and as they start to disperse, one turns towards me and in his hand, he has what looks like a 45 semi-automatic and it's about a 45 degree angle pointing downwards. I didn't know the time, it was a BB gun and they were examining, talking about it and he was probably 12, 12, 13 at the most, very young looking 12 at that. And if you'd asked me the time why I did not shoot or why I didn't feel, dude, I just didn't have the immediate perception of a threat to my life at that point. I couldn't tell you because it happened so fast. You couldn't tell what's a real gun or not a real gun. Could that have been a deadly situation where I got hurt? Yes, it could have. It worked out well. But if I tell people that now, they'll say, oh, that's copaganda because it goes contrary to what people believe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, one of the things that, and I've thought about this before, you know, what you're talking about as to why, why we do the things that we do. And one of the things that I've come up with is that, you know, we are able to make those decisions in, a, in those split seconds because of the training that we go through, right? And, and because of, you know, the individual training that we might do on our own, right? So, you know, what I always tell people is that, you know, there's this common misconception and this is what I've learned through law enforcement. I didn't know this beforehand, but there's this common misperception that people will rise to the occasion. And, and you know, I think most people in law enforcement know that that's not true. What happens is we, in, in, in a time of crisis, we fall to our highest level of training, right? And so, you know, the more that I'm confident in my abilities, the more time that buys me to make the right decision and gather the right information. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time at the range and I know I'm, I'm a very good shot and I'm, you know, quick. Right. So, so that knowing that and being able to, to have that confidence allows me to, you know, I think, you know, this is me backwards analyzing, right. I mean, not, not in a moment, but I think what that does is that gives me the opportunity to gather even that split second, more information that can help me make a different decision. Um, and so, you know, it's the same thing where I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, and, and we all do in law enforcement, thinking about what if scenarios, what, if this happens, what am I going to do? If that happens, what am I going to do? I think playing those scenarios and doing that scenario planning in our head also, you know, shortens our OODA loop. You know, we talk about the observe, orient, decide and act, you know, it, it shortens that because we already know what we're going to do in situations. So it, it, it buys us that just a little bit more time to gather that little bit more information. And there's nothing quite like street experience. I was a totally different cop and much more confident when I was at the end of my career than I was in the start, right at the academy. At right at the academy, I thought I knew a lot. Truth is, I knew almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, when your boots hit the street, it's a different story, right? It's not a textbook anymore. Um, and that's why we do field training, right? So, you know, that, that was one of the, you know, misperceptions that I had coming in. You asked me things that, that I thought differently before and after, you know, I, I didn't have any sort of clue as to the amount of training that we do and, you know, that it doesn't stop with the academy. So, I mean, people, you know, a lot of times when they want to kind of, you know, put forth that, you know, maybe police aren't, you know, as, as, uh, you know, well-trained as they should be. I mean, nothing stops with the academy. We have our academy and then we've got 
hundreds and hundreds of hours of time spent in a car with a person just, you know, hyper evaluating every move and every decision you make. And then, and then, you know, and then we've got our in-service and continuing training that goes, you know, through all of our skills. And then we've got, you know, training for, you know, uh, everything from like, you know, how to handle autistic people to, you know, how to work with, you know, all these different situations, right. Deaf and blind and, and, and handicapped. And, you know, these are all just, you know, trainings that we've recently gone through. So, you know, I think, that's something that that I didn't realize going in. I think a lot of people have that misconception, and and part of it, I believe, is to blame is Hollywood. Uh, they they love to create this image that, you know, a knuckle dragging, creating Neanderthal type cop who really is doing his job because he can't do anything else. And and by the way, I am that knuckle dragger, but I'm a <laughs> lot brighter than people think. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, Hollywood's to blame for a lot of things. I think, and uh, you know, listen, I like watching movies, I like watching TV, but. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how much uh, angst it causes me every time I see someone on a, on a TV show with their finger on the trigger walking around. And it's like, oh, my God, like, how can you how can you responsibly put that out there for kids and everybody to see? Like, you know, my kids can't even watch a show with me anymore. They, they know I'm going to get upset. If I'm the worst. Like that. I'm the worst. Yeah. And here's my chief pet peeve with American, not so much BBC, American cop shows. Yep. They'll always have this dramatic moment where they cock their semi-automatic weapon. I'm thinking, <laughs> I look at my wife and go, who walks around with an unloaded gun? Or or, or they'll all they'll rack the slide like four times in the same chase or something. Oh, yeah. You know? it, 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 I remember being a rookie cop going in these garden-style apartments. We have multi-levels going in, and we're going to do a, a raid on a house. And there was like three uniform cops I was in the middle, and a couple plainclothes guys, and our policy always to have uniform on any kind of raid. And yeah. I didn't realize at the time that I had my service weapon pointed directly at the officer in front of me. Oof. And when it was all said and done, let me tell you, I got mm-hmm. a talking to like nobody's business. And if you didn't learn the lesson through the talking to, and it wasn't just the sergeants, it wasn't the ranking officers, it was the senior officers, and they taught you. And if you couldn't learn the lesson the easy way by talking, they would handle it in the back of the parking lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you that that's another pet peeve of mine. My, uh, I've got you know my uh, my fourteen year old. Uh, you know, we'll be watching a show and she'll yell out "crossfire, crossfire" when she sees everybody converging from the same from, from different directions. She she knows what I, what I'm about to say. So um, you know, or you know, muzzling someone in front of you. Yeah, you know, these these are things that you know they happen, but. But, you know, Hollywood, unfortunately, you know, another thing that Hollywood teaches you is that there's no paperwork. You know what I mean? Like you, you get through with a big chase and, and you're out having a beer with the guys somehow. And 10 minutes later, uh, as opposed to, you know, the six hours of paperwork and uh, and interviews you're going to have to do uh, when you get done with that thing. And you're doing this for free. That's the thing that really blows my mind. It's official <laughs> right here. I'm in a radio studio. My mind is blown. Pow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Again, um, people can't believe it. Sometimes I, 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 I honestly, I honestly love it. And I think one of the things is that I got to do this after having, you know, 20, 25 years of business experience. And so I, you know, I come at this a different way than someone who's, you know, 20 years old going into the academy, right? I've got all this different life experience and, you know, not, not necessarily better, just different. Um, different life experience. And so, you know, I think that also helps ground me and, and, and helps me appreciate, 
you know, the value that I'm able to bring and, and the things I'm able to do. And, you know, I just go, listen, I don't go home every night uh, feeling great. Uh, you know, there's a lot of nights I go home not feeling great. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We are talking with Len Hurstein. Len is a reserve deputy sheriff in Colorado for the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. He comes from a business background, marketing. He's also author of the book, Be Vigilant, Strategies to Stop Complacency, Improve Performance, and Safeguard Success. Lessons he learned in law enforcement that he applies and other people working in business, no matter what kind of business it is, especially marketing, can use these tools to benefit them. And I would suspect that some of these tools might help the rest of us in our everyday life. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We got so much more to talk about with Len. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Len Hurstein on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Len is calling us from Colorado. He is a reserve deputy in Colorado in Douglas County Sheriff's Office. Been doing it for some time now. He's also a marketer, businessman, author of the book, Be Vigilant, Strategies to Stop Complacency, Improve Performance, and Safeguard Success. Back in your career. You came from a business background, which, by the way, I love what you said. We're we're all different backgrounds. Not better, not worse, just different. One of my biggest pet peeves of Hollywood, and that includes the news media, is we all look the same because of uniform standards, haircuts, mustaches, whatever it might be. And there is this mindset that we are all some big homogenized machine that will do whatever we're told. Hence, for example, conspiracy theories. No one's going to balk at anything. The truth is, we are all radically different. We just do the same job. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I think an offshoot of that too is, you know, people assume that we're all like, you know, are, are here to like protect ourselves and and hide things and and things of that sort. And I think I think one of the things, you know, getting back to what what I learned different. I mean, there, you know, one thing that is super obvious once you're in this is like nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop exactly um and you know there is no protection for people doing bad things you know at least in our department i i can't speak for every department i'll be honest with you in my department we never saw it and i i've actually had the displeasure of having to arrest officers not for for anything major for minor stuff and it was very unpleasant i've had people fired that did things that were against rules and regulations the last thing is and i know you relate to this no one i know of is going to lose their job their insurance benefits, all their benefits, and risk going to prison and put their families at risk for someone else. They're just not going to do it. For corrupt behavior, they're not doing it. No, and, and you know, listen, the, the one thing that you have to have in this profession is integrity. And if you lose that integrity and you get yourself a Brady letter or something like that, you're no good to be on the stand. You're done in the business. You can't, you can't do the job anymore if you can't be trusted. Does that not mean that we don't have some bad apples like every profession in the world? Of course not. Right. Um, but but I think you know the uh, the vast vast majority of us get up wanted 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 to do good things for good people and you know if there's one thing that we just have no um, 
you know, you, you can do things wrong and, and, and be, you know, go through remediation and, and fix those, you know, but nobody has any uh, patience for, for someone who's, who lies or is, um, you know, not credible or is not trustworthy. We were you know, always told. We just can't deal with. Yeah, we were always told, get in trouble doing your job. Don't get in trouble not doing your job. Right. And corrupt yeah. stuff just wasn't stood for. You know, everybody has their moments, too, where, especially in traumatic scenes, because we all react differently. You came into this this line of work with a certain mindset, and I'm sure you encountered situations that made you, you said earlier in a conversation, it doesn't mean every time I came home, it's wonderful. I had some bad days. Yeah. No, I've, I've had, I've had, you know, listen, we all have bad days. Um, you know, there are, there are ones that are worse than others. So, I mean, you know, I've been part of, you know, three separate incidents, uh, or, you know, at least, you know, here for three separate incidents, you know, two that resulted in deaths and one that resulted in, um, you know, uh, a, you know, Debbie being paralyzed. You talked to Dan Bright, you know, Dan Bright's story. Um, you know, those, you know, all three of those, I was, you know, one, you know, heavily involved in the other two, you know, more ancillary involved in, but you know, those, they, those are the types of things that change you, right? In your training, um, did you get any skill sets to help you deal with these better? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of like mentally, you mean? Yeah. I I don't know what it is. I, somehow, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I have the ability. I didn't. I was scared about this coming in. I didn't know how what was going to happen the first time something like this happened, right? Because I'd never dealt with it uh, before. Um, here I am, a forty-five years old, and I didn't know what it was going to be like. So, what I've learned is that I do have this ability to compartmentalize and to, um, you know, to grieve and then, and then use that grief for something, for something bigger. So, you know, for, for, you know, one, one of the ones was, uh, you know, Colorado state trooper Cody Donahue, um, uh, you know, was struck by a truck, um, on interstate 25 here in, in Colorado. I was, it started off as a, as a single car accident on the highway that I was called out to because we will, handle stuff on the highway it's really you know primary jurisdiction is going to be state patrol um but we'll handle it until they get there or if they can't get there we'll take care of it um so it was just a single car accident and and i was there and state patrol showed up um and they kind of took over the scene you know fire left because there was no injuries um and and i left because that that's kind of the the protocol is once they take over you know they they don't you know i ask them if they need anything from me and then i and then i move on and you know about i started heading back south to, uh, you know, I was working a Southern district that day and, um, you know, within 10 minutes, I got the officer down call, um, you know, went right to the next exit, turned around, sped back. And, um, you know, Trooper Donahue had been, you know, working the trap, the crash and had been struck by a semi that, um, that did not move over, give him a lane. And so, you know, I was the first, you know, deputy on scene there. There was some state patrol people there, but, you know, and I was there from, from the time where I, I went up and, and had first words with the driver of the truck to, you know, to, you know, out many, many hours later into the night. Um, and, you know, I left that scene and went back and uh, had a good cry, you know. And, you know, that's sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. You just got to get it out, right? And, uh, you know, I had resources available to me. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't I didn't take them up on, on them. I, I didn't, you know, I was able to get through it uh, in my own way but you know now obviously you know one of my big things is is uh you know it it, it 
it taught me things about vigilance and it, and it, and it's something that I talk to people all the time. If there's one message to get across to people out there right now is, you know, please give emergency workers a lane. You know, you can see our lights forever. Give us a lane. If you can't move over, slow down, way down, um, and pay attention. But you know, that, that's one of those things that it's a, that's a, that's a bad day, right? That's a bad day, you know? Uh, not worse, way worse day for the family and, and, and the friends and, and, you know, the colleagues of Trooper Donahue, obviously for Trooper Donahue, but, um, but you know, it's a bad day for everybody involved. One of the things I, I say quite often, you know, I have a lot of compassion and empathy for the family members of law enforcement officers who are maimed, injured, killed. But I also say, I, I, I hold my thoughts and prayers for those first responders on scene because they have to deal with something that no one ever wants to deal with. And it's your worst nightmare come true. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. I mean, again, you know, you never want to, you know, for those of us in it, as you know, we don't really want to bring attention to ourselves because it's not about us. It's about, you know, the, the, the trooper who lost his life and his wife and children and, and all that. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, it's, it's painful for everybody. It's something that you never want to deal with. And, and, uh, you know, that you learn a lot about yourself when that happens too, as to how you, how you act. And I was, that was the first time I really had to, you know, um, you know, do with that with something where I was actually on scene for it and, and, uh, you know, with, with everything that went along with that. So, but you've you know, carried a lot of these lessons learned from your law enforcement career and what you're still learning in law enforcement into your business practice in particular with your book. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the book, like you said, is called be vigilant, uh, strategy, stop complacency, improve performance and safeguard success. And really the idea for it came very early on in, in my career. So what I, it's my law enforcement career. One of the first things that we learned obviously is this concept that complacency kills. Yes. And I kind of, you know, I was like, man, complacency kills. And I started looking at what that meant and, you know, and then I started thinking, well, you know what, complacency, you know, in a different way kills businesses, it kills brands, it kills personal relationships. Um, and I started becoming a little bit obsessed with this idea of complacency and what it is. And one of the things that I realized is that in our world, in the non-law enforcement world, complacency has kind of become like this kind of filler throwaway term that people will use. You know, you, you'll hear it a lot in sports. Oh, they're getting complacent out there. Or, you know, hey, let's not get complacent. And people throw it out there, but nobody ever talks about what it is what it means, and more importantly, what do you do about it, right? Like, you know, when the people say, don't be complacent, well, that's, that's like saying, you know, like, don't be lazy. You know, like, you have to, you have to think about what, what does that actually mean? Like, how do I actually do that? And that, that's where the book came from, was me looking at the things that we do in law enforcement, that we do every day, without talking, we don't talk about the things that we do in the context of fighting complacency. But as I looked at them, you know, the way that we approach you know, traffic stops, the way that we, you know, the, the, the things that we do with briefing and debriefing, how we think about threat awareness, how we think about getting off the X and being strategically unpredictable, all these things, you know, I was able to tie back and say, you know, the real reason we do a lot of these things is to help us fight the complacency because the reality is complacency is born from success. And 99% of the time we are successful in this business and things go right and we can do a thousand They go right almost nobody... all the time and when they go wrong, it's horribly wrong. Where can people get more information about you in the book? You, so you can, the easiest place to do is just go to lendherstein.com, L-E-N-H-E-R-S-T-E-I-N.com. Uh, and it's all, all the information about me and the book is there. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those places. So you can go to any one of those and just type in be vigilant book. Um, 
And, you know, if you want to just connect with me, just look me up on LinkedIn. And I, I love connecting with people and, and hearing about their stories. Len, thanks so much for being a guest on the show and for sharing your story. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Jay. And thanks for doing what you do. And, and thanks for having me on. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.